1: Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, your host. Joining me is Ward Carroll. Back and strutting his Clayton Kershaw L.A. Dodger colors. Bill Wagner the Capital Gazette newspaper and Baltimore Sun and Chris Cervallo is our producer. Well, let me start off with the big stuff. This is our last pod of 2022. We'll give you our holiday wishes at the end. Thank you for being with us in the fall. It's been an eventful uh, season. And we thank you for being our loyal listeners. We will see you in early January. So let's get right into it. Uh, Ward Carroll, we were on a press conference today, and we will bring you sound from Chet discussing Kenmi Alatololo's departure, as well as the Army-Navy game loss, which apparently was not necessarily instrumental in his departure. I have to look at it from my perspective, and we all have our individual perspectives. But for me, the Army-Navy loss being what it was, led me to believe that it was very possible like that someone like Kenny amatololo was not coming back. While not surprised, I was disappointed. For me, as the former PAO and having established a relationship with Kenny, I thought this was not necessarily the right time or the right decision. I have a lot of reasons for that, some of them personal. But as a journalist, I have to caveat that by saying, I do understand what the last four years of win-loss means, and this is a business. So for for you, you which lens do you look at it through? And I know that you have a lot more connection with retired flags who might have had kind of an influence here in the whole process. What are you hearing and what are you feeling?
2: So I don't know if I have a lot more connection with retired flags. I think we all heard from one retired flag at the last pod, uh, which turns out to have been prescient uh, when Admiral Lynch sort of said that uh, he thought that 25 years, and again, that's 10 as an assistant or, or yeah, 10 as an assistant and then 15 as the head coach um, is plenty and dot, dot, dot. He sort of, you know, even before we lost the army Navy game, uh, Admiral Lynch was sort of saying this was kind of it. So um, at a personal level, this is heartbreaking. I think uh, Coach Ken has been very good to the pod and to us. And um, I've had the luxury of watching him at close range, hold the down box as part of the chain gang for the last eight seasons. And he's, you know, a, a, a man of great character, um, compassionate, at the media day, which seems like just yesterday, you know, I mean, this season went by in a blinding blur. Uh, it seems like we were just there. And as we know, every media day, it's full of hope and renewal. And, and, you know, the the three co-captains were saying all the right things. And, and I, in retrospect, I think, Coach Ken was sort of muted. You know, it, it, he was saying the right things, but it didn't seem like he was feeling it. And he he, he seemed a little beat down. But that's just now with the luxury of 2020 hindsight. Um, but I, I mentioned to him when we went sidebar uh, that my mother had just passed away. And we spoke for 15 minutes. Um, and And he's got such a heart and he cares so much. And this is the same thing that John Feinstein relays in, in his op-ed where, where he is saying that uh, this was the wrong time to fire coach Ken, um, you know, and he, he has this anecdote about how uh, Feinstein had just come out of the hospital and this ESPN wanted to do a sideline interview and coach basically shoot him away because he wanted to find out how John was doing. And, and so he's a genuine guy. He is irreplaceable with respect to the heart piece and the character piece and so at that level i'm i'm truly heartbroken i will miss him on the sideline i will miss him at the events that we do covering navy football he's always provided access to us without any sort of caveat about hey you guys aren't national broadcast media or whatever you know it and, and so um i i view that as a measure of, of character now break break um It's no secret, as you say, that that uh, you know it's cruel to say dead men walking, but you know this drumbeat since we didn't measure up to what athletic director Chet says are the basics. Right, Um, you got to win six games, you got to be competitive. If not, win the Commander in Chief's Trophy, and if you do those things, then you're bowl eligible. That's the standard. So the other thing that I think I want to say up front. Is Chad has also been honest with us with this pod, and um, people want to paint him as Voldemort out there in the world, and and he's not. And so, I think at while he was sort of circumspect, he does have you know provisions being all about you know risk comms and and being able to explain it. I think Chad is sort of a poster child for risk communications in certain environments, um, and so. He he shows a little leg, but doesn't doesn't overcommit emotionally or whatever. So I think the way he laid it out at the presser a couple hours ago was pretty clear and pretty unflinching. Um, now again, if you're a, you could say that it's absent this this sort of consideration that Ken was due, as John Feinstein says. Uh, so I'll I'll let uh, let me hand it over to Wags um, for his thoughts. But that that's kind of what I'm thinking up front, John.
3: Well. Uh, anybody who wants to really read my thoughts can go on the Capitol Gazette. I posted a column in which I said as much as I could, but I'll try to repeat here. Um, 25 years I've known Ken Niamatololo and during the 15 years as he was the head coach, I got to know him even better. We became closer. You spent a lot of time together as beat writer and head coach. And, you know, we, we, we were friends. I considered him a friend and I was honored to do so, uh, I had a long, emotional talk with Coach Niamatololo on Sunday, and he took time to thank me for how I handled being the beat reporter and said that he and his family always appreciated the way I approached the job and that he considered me a friend, and it, it meant a lot. It was a great conversation. So I was, I, it hurts me. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. But I'm, I'm a realist. I know what college football is about. It's a business. Navy's in the American Athletic Conference. This is a conference that purports to be on the same level as the Power Five. And I can tell you at any other school in the American Athletic Conference, if you suffered losing seasons in four out of five years, you would not remain as head coach. So it is what it is. And, and we, we love Coach Kem. We love everything he's done. We respect what he's done. But, you know, like Ward said, you can't fault Check Gladchuck for feeling like a change had to be made. Now, as I outlined in my column, I thought Kenny should be given one more year. I thought the impact of COVID was so dramatic on the Naval Academy in particular, especially with the just complete wipeout of two classes, the 2021 seniors and the 2022 seniors in football-wise years, was dramatic and also the factor of the American Athletic Conference completely changing its landscape from Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston, the three big heavyweights leaving and bringing in six schools, all of which are exactly the type that Navy played when it was an independent. And I know that coach Nehemiah knows that Navy is going to have a winning season next year, more than likely. And that's what he asked Chet. And I I said it on this pod, when the Navy football pod on Sunday night, and I'll say it again, coach Nehemiah DeLolo told Chet Gladchuck, if we don't win next season, you won't have to fire me, I'll resign. So I just thought that based on what he's done for the academy and his track record of success, he deserved one more season. And if they could have set the parameters of what needed to happen, maybe it had to be commander at T's trophy, not just a winning season. Um, And if he didn't meet them, then there was no. Now Chet says that that was already done. That these parameters were put in place and he made it clear to Nehemiah going into this season. So I don't know what to say, John. Um, We'll talk later about Chet Gladchuk's presser today. Uh, I was kind of didn't really get a lot of the answers I wanted to get, to be honest with you. And I, I don't like there was 25 people on there and I only asked two questions. So uh, I didn't like the format one bit. Um, I liked it better when I could talk to Chet Gladchuk directly, but it is what it is in this era. Um, so I'll shut up and pass it along to Chris Cervello for his thoughts.
1: Yeah, Chris. Before we go to uh, to uh, Chet's remarks on the uh, presser, I know that you've got some thoughts on this, and you know you and Ward are grads, uh, so I think these are probably the most weighty um, of the opinions. Along with Wags has been covering this team since the eighteen hundreds, so go ahead, please.
0: I think the decision was the right decision. It's never great to see a friend leave and leave on somebody else's terms. So I. Um, I feel for, as we said on the Navy Football Podcast, I feel for Coach Ken, I feel for his family, I feel for the coaches and their family, and I'm very thankful for the sacrifices that they've made to the Naval Academy. Um, I, like Wags, have known Ken for since I was a plebe. I met him first in the fall of 1995. I can't imagine what it's going to be like um, looking down on the sideline and seeing somebody else at the helm. I think we all realize that that it was a different environment around the team. Um, it was a slower environment. The two starts in 21 and 22, how the season started both those years. I mean, they, they just didn't they they didn't come ready to play for the first game. There were discussions about how spring ball was run. Uh, Check Gladchuk is, is getting towards the end of his tenure. If you believe those around the program and what they say, I think he felt like he had to make this call this year. Or else he was going to be forced to live with whatever, you know, was done or undone that this past year, and and so he made the decision, and he'll bring in a new coach, and uh, you know we'll we'll see where we go. But I think you can be both disappointed for Kenny, but also hopeful for what um, lies ahead for the program. As John mentioned, the athletic director's press conference went for about 30 minutes. Here are some highlights, including questions from John and Wags. The first question was about the thought process and how quickly Chet came to a decision to part ways with longtime head coach Ken Niamontalolo.
4: I mean, this has been something that we've been talking about as a program and and with the head coach for, for quite some time. You know, when I came to the Naval Academy many years ago, and uh, first hired being Paul Johnson, that we established um, what we felt were very reasonable goals for the program. And over the twenty two years that I've been here, nothing's changed. The goals remain the same. So again, there's no uh, miscommunication, um uh, there's no misunderstanding. Um, you know, our objective has always been to win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, which is reasonable. You know, we're one of three service academies and uh, we, we enjoyed some great success doing that and um, continues to be a goal. And then number two, um, you win six games in a year, which essentially is the Commander-in-Chief Trophy in four games that gets us to six, which gets us in a bowl game. So that has been the constant bar that we've strived for is to uh, achieve those two goals, which are um, I believe very realistic, very reasonable, have been consistent uh, for 20 years. And so therefore this does not come as any surprise. It's just an expectation that uh, again, unfortunately fell short.
0: In his first question, John asked Chet about extenuating circumstances that had occurred over the last three years, whether it be COVID, the introduction of NIL regulations, the transfer portal, and the difficulty of playing at a service academy.
1: Obviously, much has been made about the mitigating and extenuating circumstances that the program had to endure. Uh, NIL, COVID years, transfer portal. Much has been made to, to make that sort of a hey, we had to play by a different set of rules, not only from the rest of the NCAA, but from Army and Air Force as well. Did you factor those, those, you know, those particular variables into your decision in the end? And how much did you do so before arriving at the final uh, decision?
4: Yeah, you know, we have a lot of challenges here that come, they're inherent, John, You know, with the United States Naval Academy. And the, the dynamics are different in, in many respects between academies. Uh, a lot of our guidance comes from the Secretary of the Navy or the Secretary of the Army in their case or the Secretary of the Air Force. And we have to deal with, you know, again variables that, that in many cases are not similar. Um, the nature of the beast, the way it's evolved certainly uh, you know takes into account you know the um, the fact that portals, And moving between institutions and NIL is 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 part of the part of the equation today. We've got to accept that. The way that that we've dealt with it is that we've talked about two things. We talked about number one, accentuating the positives, what the United States Naval Academy is about. And I'm not gonna give you a recruiting pitch, but there's a very convincing uh, train of thought with regard to the Naval Academy and why it's an outstanding opportunity for any young man and young woman, including the job after you graduate and the the the, the pay scale and the ring on your finger and the uh, opportunities for employment for the rest of your life. And, and there's, there's so many positives that we have here at the Naval Academy that are um, uh, very enticing to young men and young women. Um, and the other part of it is that I tell the coaches, and we resource them that way, that they've got 50 states to recruit. They've got the resources to do it. Uh, There are athletes out there that, uh, you know, may not be of uh, NIL caliber or level or whatever it may be. And what we do is we recruit 50 states to find the best young men and women we can that have an affinity for the military, and we bring them in. And those those are the Players and the athletes and the midshipmen that we've got to deal with and um, and coach up to be successful. So certainly, you know, you, you could go into depth with regard to you know Alabama plays uh, pays more than Clemson and Clemson plays pays more than Syracuse and Syracuse pays more than Tulane. I mean, all of that are, are variables that are moving. What we do is try to keep our our focus on the target, which is this is a magnificent institution. We've got tremendous opportunity. We've got a great, great future for any young man, young woman that that, that subscribes to it. And um, we have to eliminate the distractions and just play by the rules that were dealt and succeed doing just that. And I mean, you know, I don't, I don't what was it, our Air Force this year? Nine and three? They're playing by the same rules as well.
0: John's follow-up was about the impact that Coach Ken had on his players, not just on the football field, but in the fleet and in the Marine Corps. You
1: know, you mentioned you know all the great things that graduates go out and do. Undoubtedly, Kenny played such a large role, a tangible role in, in taking these kids and having them go out and play a substantive role in defending our national security, contributing to our national security. I don't know when there'll ever, ever be a right time to talk about it, so I'll just ask now. How would you evaluate Kenny's contribution in that sense? You know, the the way that he has churned out players of character and consequence who have gone onto the fleet to do amazing things. How do you evaluate what he means or meant to this institution?
4: Success, graduation, success rate, retention rate, commissioning rate, um, chemistry within the program, um, relationships that are endured over time, Um, uh, support extended when they're struggling and they're working their way through the trials and tribulations of the academy Um, and I commend them for a job well done as I do the uh, 34 other head coaches that have exactly the same responsibility to do exactly the same thing and and, and our coaches are successful at it. They know when they come to the Naval Academy it's more than just what happens on the field of play or competition. It's a comprehensive exercise, in which all of them have an obligation to support the midshipmen in any way they possibly can to help them succeed. Kenny's done a, has done a fine job in exactly that. So have all of our other coaches as well. When you take a look at a job description at the Naval Academy, it includes just what you described, um, John, And that's an expectation of fulfilling all of our coaches' responsibilities. And Kenny did a nice job doing it.
0: Another question of note was Bill Wagner's question about the reporting that Coach Ken had asked for one more year and what Chet's thoughts were on giving this current coaching staff another year to meet the goals that he articulated at the beginning of the discussion.
3: Coach Niamatololo Felt with uh, the fact that there were so many young players that Navy relied on the last couple seasons, and the fact that twenty-two starters are returning, and that the American Athletic Conference changes dramatically in terms of landscape, uh, competition level. That he wanted one more season to see what he if he could turn the program around. Did you think of consider that based on those factors, or, or you know, no.
4: Very much aware of all of that, Bill. Absolutely. That was part of the thought process. Yes, it did.
0: As you might imagine, much of the press conference was dominated by now what? What were Chet's thoughts about who the next coach might be? What characteristics that coach should have? What type of offense should the new head coach bring to the Naval Academy? Would they stick with the triple option? The short answer was yes. Chet said they should stick with the triple option. As a follow-up question to his earlier point, Wags asked Chet what his thoughts were on current interim coach and defensive coordinator Brian Newberry being a candidate for the job, and if he had talked to Newberry, and if Newberry was interested.
3: Interim coach slash defensive coordinator Brian Newberry, a candidate for the head coaching job.
4: I know that Coach Newberry is very interested in the position. We had an opportunity to talk the other day. Actually, i saw him talk last night. For quite a while. As you know, Bill, I've asked him to just um keep it all tight together, focused, staff, um, the athletes themselves, workouts, etc And he's doing that um you know very enthusiastically. And uh my understanding is that Coach Newberry is um is interested in the position. We're gonna give a little bit of time uh, right now to um, for the dust to settle. But I'm um, pretty confident that Coach Newberry will, uh, you know, will be a, will be a viable candidate.
0: Finally, John asked about the effect that the decision would have on the team, and when and if Chet had spoken to the team, and what his message might be.
1: I know these are razor-thin margins, um, and and the fumble by Anton at the goal line certainly seems to have, you know, strategic-level impacts here. You know, not only are you the leader of coaches, but you're the leader of athletes. You know, from, from your perspective, do, did you have or want to have any dialogue with the athletes, with the players, you know, who who were so involved in this game that seemed to have, you know, kind of, it, it seemed to determine Kenny's fate in the end. Have, have you had any dialogue with them? Have any of them reached out to you to, to entreat you to keep Kenny on? How has the mood been in Ricketts Hall and in the football program since this decision has been made?
4: I'm meeting with the team shortly, and there are a number of the players who would like to come down and visit me, which they will later today, and my door is always open uh, for anyone, whether it be player, coach, anyone. It's always been open. But, but, John, I think I made it the point fairly clear that this didn't come down to a fumble or even a lost game. Uh, on Saturday. Um, th- these goals and expectations have been set for years and, and it's a very clear understanding. And And what I have done through the course of the year, not for 60 minutes on Saturday, is is, is evaluate very carefully every game. Um, I attend every game home and away. I, I watch every play, I watch every replay, I think about the program at large. I think about our affiliations. I think about our corporate relationships. I think our te- about our television exposures. I think about our responsibility to the to the conference, our alumni. Um, all of those factors come into play over a course of of time. This is not a split second decision that was predicated on a fumble or or a conversation that might have been the case, uh, you know, since Saturday. Now this is a, uh, a a long-standing expectation of not just the athletic director but the institution, clear understanding with the coaching staff, and, and an opportunity to um, um to achieve these goals through the course of the season. So, you know, I don't know what else to tell you, John, other than that uh, um, there was nothing about this that is spontaneous.
1: I sort of liked the gravity that today brought that Heather Dinich of ESPN who actually started as a local Maryland Terrapins beat reporter um, was on this zoom today. The uh, athletic was on the zoom Kareem Copeland from the Washington post, a lot of people on there wanting to know what's up. And for me, that kind of the fact that ESPN was on there made me realize the gravity of what Kenny brought wins in college football are not easy to get ladies and gents. So, you know, I think you have to understand that that's a big consideration. And I'll start with the question that I asked, Chet. With that, as a mitigating and extenuating circumstance, with the fact that he's won the most games, did you consider NIL? Did you consider the transfer portal? Did you want to give him an accommodation as we get past these COVID years, with I think next year or this year being the last possible COVID year, as dudes are like 35 years old playing college sports. I, I don't know how well, um, you know, we, we understood Chet's logic there, that it seemed like, hey, well, actually, it, he seemed pretty clear. He was like, hey, I, I, you know, Air Force and all these guys had to do the same stuff. We've got to do our thing, whether it was BUMed telling us to stay in our rooms, whether it was the Department of the Navy telling us to eat box lunches, whether Air Force and these guys got to send people home or any of that crap, I wanted a standard. And I expect the standard to be met by Kenny and the 34 other coaches. Cold, really cold. But you know what? That has been Chet for 25 or 22 years now as the athletic director. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed that part of his answer because it was the most granularity we got from him on a really mushy subject ward, you know, he was like, eh, tough shit, you know, like, I I don't care, get some wins. And, and if we can't kind of embody that sort of cold, hard binary standard at the Naval Academy, where the fleet is very unrelenting and unforgiving when you can't meet the standard, then, then why do we have it in the first place?
2: Right? The problem with the way he put it is when you use air force as the analog, you're leaving out the fact that they didn't use the same rules as Navy, right? As you just said. Um, and, and so you, like sending the entire class home. So in essence, giving them a fifth year. And so when you say they're nine and three this year, like, yeah, except during the COVID year, they did different things than we did. Um, yeah, and so it, it's not like, hey, Air Force won and they have to play by the same rules. They did not play by the same rules. So you got to be clear about that. Um the rest is as you said just just chat you know expect to win um and i i don't know this this was uh you know there's a lot uh on the quarterbacks uh shoulders in terms of the pressure piece and we haven't had a a a, a field general since will worth as we've said many times on the channel here um the rest has just been sort of this Rolodex of of you know also ran guys to be honest, you know and and so um, I, I just think it it was multifactorial. COVID's a huge part of it. The transfer por- portal is as again we we pointed out several times that Wags's article about where those guys went is definitive. Um, so I, I don't know how you don't look at that and go, oh yeah, that's a big deal. You you basically savaged the herd uh, during that year 2022, 2021. And uh, you know, that, that was uh, that was all she wrote. So of course that bow wave is going to create a bad season last year and this year, you know, and I think it's a reasonable request to say just give me a year, because now we got a lot of second class fleeting up and you know, we're practicing contact for the duration. There's no more of the nonsense that we've had to go through. We're completely out of the woods there. So give me one more year. So I think that that was a reasonable request. And so I think critics who will say you should have given him one more year, there's some validity to that. But let me cr- contradict myself and say, I you know, Chet um, is decisive. He's unflinching. He's he's Okay with making the hard calls, you know. He he doesn't care what people think if he's convinced that he he's justified in doing what he's going to do. And as he said in the presser, it was very clear. Now he says it's very clear, and then he says I and I talked to his rep. Like, What's what is that's sort of not quite you know mano a mano like having it out. He's like he said I he sort of parsed it out by going yeah I I told his rep. This is what I expect. And, and I was like, Whoa, what does that mean? Right. Um, and Heather rightly pointed out the, uh, the Jasper situation. Right. And and I had kind of forgotten about them. I'm like, Oh yeah. You could say that's when it started to go bad. Like, you know, the rest is just papering over um, a, a, a toxic relationship. Um, and uh, you know, again, last year, the, the, the wolves were coming at him, and and uh, I just remember being at the post army reception there up in New York at MetLife Stadium, and and it was like all is forgiven. It was just a completely different vibe in that after party, you know, high fives and coaches are hugging, and you know, it the the air just was, you know, the tension was released, and so coming to this season, and uh, you know, right from the jump, it wasn't awesome the UCF and some other highlights, like Admiral Lynch said, I think if we'd, even if we'd beat Army, I don't think he would have retained his job. Although again, John Feinstein says you don't ever fire somebody when they beat Army. Well, maybe that's true. Yeah.
1: So Wags, Chet didn't necessarily address where the fissure in their relationship started, but where Ward addressed it and Ward said, Hey, really weird that he just said, I talked to his rep. I talked to his agent it leads one to believe that there wasn't a relationship between them. So was it, did it start with BYU? Did it start with Arizona? Did it start with IJ? Did it really just never exist through there? It, it, it's something that I've never really understood, but I think has to be considered when he made this decision.
3: Well, it's an interesting question, John, and I don't know the answer. Uh, I take Chet on face value when he says that he and Coach Niamatololo meet once a week. I do know that uh there've been many postseason conversations in which they got into very detailed and sometimes, you know, not argument, but disagreements about where the program needed to go. And coach Niamatololo made demands on what he wanted. Sometimes he got what he wanted. Sometimes he didn't. But uh, I think that Chet and Kenny were very aligned. I think they, it was quite clear what the expectations were. Now, what, I did not get out of this press conference today and was not made clear to me. Did check latch basically give Kenny Amatololo an ultimatum going into the 2022 season that if Navy does not achieve a B and C or just a and B or whatever it would be that he was out Uh, based on my conversation with Kenny Amatololo, he did not feel that way. Uh, It sounded to him that when Chet showed up in the locker room and let's just make it clear right here, this happened in the locker room after the army Navy game, it wasn't Sunday. There wasn't a meeting. Chet went into the locker room. There's a coaching office off the locker room in Lincoln financial field. And he told Kenny that it was over then and there. And Kenny tried to advocate for himself and said what we, I already mentioned that, You know, he feels that next year they can turn things around. He wanted another year. So I I did not hear that. I I think what Ward referenced is very, very uh, a big factor. What happened with Ivan Jasper was a dramatic issue with Kenny and Chet as far as their relationship. And I know that Chet probably regrets firing Ivan Jasper in the locker room following the Air Force game last year. But the fallout was tremendous, and it impacted a lot of where we are today because I believe that Kenny was about to turn the play calling back over to Ivan, and that incident prevented that from happening. And I'm not saying that it would change the trajectory of Navy football. I just believe that Kenny had realized that calling plays in addition to managing the game was too much, and he was giving play calling back to Ivan and that incident nipped that in the bud and put an end to that right there, and Kenny had to keep calling the plays. But more than that, it undermined Coach Niamatololo's authority because the athletic director should not be firing assistant coaches without having at least discussed it with the head coach. And normally the way it works is that the head coach, once the decision's made between AD and head coach, the head coach is the one, who informs the person that he hired that they're gone. So I I do believe that incident with Ivan last year created a fissure that may have led us to where we are today.
1: A lot of fans and a lot of Naval Academy football family are concerned about does Nehemiah's departure mean IJ is gone, Ashley Ingram's gone, Omar Nelson is gone, you know, Danny O'Rourke. Is the entire offensive staff part of this bloodletting or you know right now I understand it to just be Kenny the assumption being that his offensive crew is going to go with him but I I would love anyone's perspective on what they've heard on that and it brings up what I think is the other critical point here Wags which is what exactly Kenny's contract situation was and what are the contract situations of the assistants that seem to be inexorably tied to him you know, how does this impact, you know, the way they go forward? Because if all these guys are under contract and you have to do a bunch of buyouts, that's something else you have to consider financially.
3: All right. Well, I'll start with this. The new head coach will determine the future of the assistant coaches. So no assistant has been fired yet. The only coach, the And once the decision has been made on the new head coach, that individual will make decisions about all assistants. I think there is a chance one or more, Offensive assistants could remain with the program, depending on who was hired. But I do think the bulk of the offensive assistants are probably going to be gone, unfortunately. Um, number two, all assistant coaches are on a one-year contract. No assistant coach has a multi-term contract. Um, and really, actually, that contract's at the behest of the athletic director. So if Chet wanted to fire every assistant coach tomorrow, he could. Um, because he, they work for him and the Naval Academy Athletic Association. But I don't think Chet's going to make decisions on assistance. He'll let the new head coach do that. Um, lastly, but not leastly, with regard to Coach Niamatololo's contract status, I no one knows for sure. No one can be exact on what exactly – where he is on years. What we have reported is that after the success of 2019 – When Navy went 11 and two, captured the Commander in Chief's Trophy, upset Kansas State in Liberty Bowl, Kenny received a two year extension, and that is believed to be in addition to a one year rollover. Well, those three years would be up in 2022. What we don't know is how many years he had left when he received the extension. So, I have heard from some sources that there's still a year, possibly a year and a half left on the contract, and if that's the case. They're in for at least a $2,316,000 salary. Now, obviously, you had a compensation package that included perks, the use of a home, a vehicle. Uh, I'm sure all of that is gone the day you're fired. You don't get the perks anymore. The car gets returned, and soon Coach Niamatololo and his family are moving out of that house. But the salary has to be paid, so... Um, there is some sort of buyout, John. I just don't know what it is.
1: Chris, I'd like your perspective on this, not only from the press conference, but you know where you know where the money comes into this discussion. Should it come into discussion? Um, you know, much was made about Auburn, you know, paying a buyout to their head coach that so was like eleven million dollars and basically like uh, financially hamstrung those dudes in, in a lot of what they could do throughout the athletic department and. Should we even be talking about money here? I mean, it is college sports. If we're going to be like cutthroat about firing dudes and not considering anyone else, we might as well look at it as a business.
0: Well, it is a business, but I I go back to what I've said on this pod a a few times. I drive around the Naval Academy and I look at the state of the Naval Academy circa 2022 and I compare it to circa 1999 when I left uh, as an ensign. Um, The growth in athletic facilities is eye watering, and we have Gladchuk to thank for that. So I trust Chet when it comes to that stuff. I am not going to parse whether it should be two point three or you know where that threshold is. I, I I don't know. I trust this team. They they navigated through COVID when it was tough. We didn't fire any coaches. We continued to win. We you got to trust the guy that's that's in in charge, and and, and I do. You know we talked about this. Th- this will either be a genius move. That in a year or two, when we're back in, you, you know, li- living high on the hog, everybody says, boy, what what a great move. You know, sad to see Coach Ken go, but Chet made it at the right time. Or it won't be. <laughs> and it'll be like, wow, he pissed away his legacy and uh we never should have let Kenny go. And, you know, damn, we're, we're in trouble. I-, I just don't know that there's any. I think it's going to be a black and white uh, d- d- decision and you either trust the guys that are going to, that have made those decisions and are going to see us through it or, or you don't. For me, I, I trust them.
1: Yeah. It's a tough executive level decision and that's what we're training people to do. I mean, your, your thoughts on that word, because I really believe that when you come down, if you have to pick one word to describe this, you know, this decision, this firing, this letting go, whatever we want to call it. Um, We keep in this group, not that we're crass, keep coming to the word ballsy. It is a really ballsy move. And he can take those 22 years that Chris just talked about with the the facilities and the victories and the incredible star series record and everything else that's gone on. And if you fire a character guy because you guys didn't get along and he didn't meet your standard over the last four years and we ran the ball up the middle too much when it was second and eight or third and ten. I don't know. You, if you're 0-10 three years from now and firing the head coach, you made it 0-10, you, know, you might have pissed it all away. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I don't think we'll be 0-10 because the AAC is arguably going to be an easier conference. Uh, I think particularly next year, because we're fleeting up so many uh, football veterans, uh, You know, I, I think we have a good chance of, of having a 500 record. Uh, and being bowl eligible and and so forth and so on. Um, I think the other thing in terms of what came out of the press conference that we should point out for the listeners is some of the givens. And I thought this was really interesting. Number one is the the new coach has to be familiar with the triple option. That's not optional, uh, To, no pun intended. Um, And he brought up the specter of, of Weatherby who was the coach when I was on the faculty at the end of my active duty life. And remember my last football season on active duty, we were 0 and 11, you know? And so um, that's all you have to say about I'm committed to the triple option. So that's part A. Part B is uh, one of the other myriad reporters asked, does the person have to be a, you know, familiar with the service academy environment? And the answer was no. So I thought that that was a good answer too. I think, you know, even as a grad, I think we overplay, uh, this PhD level understanding you have to have of mid regs in order to be a successful, uh, you know, coach, we all know that it, if you're a quick study, you're going to get it like by six weekers, you know? So, um, I think all of those givens are kind of setting the scene for, for success. And again, Chet's nobody's fool he, well, it seems like a, a rash or an impulsive decision. There's no way it was. And I'm sure he had all this calculus all mapped out, at least in his head, before he even drove to Philly, you know? Um, and so he just was executing the play that he already had in his head. And he's already figured out where all the pieces are going to go. The last thing I want to say, I sound like Admiral uh, Stavridis. Last thought. Um, so. Um, he, he the solid pole right there. Yeah, yeah. Newberry's head coach material, right? He, and I know that he's just one of many who's going to be in the mix. Um, but this guy exudes leadership. He's got a great look. I think he was a flight risk, um, had this not happened. So, um, you know, I, 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 my money and I'm not a betting man. My money is on him getting the gig ultimately. And I think that's, that also underwrites the idea that we can be successful. So over to Wags.
1: So Wags, from your perspective, other than Newberry, what have the trade winds been blowing your way in terms of rumors? And secondly, this hire is critical because you look at the depth chart right now and a lot of your skill positions, particularly on offense, are sophomores. Um, So these are kids who have not signed their two for seven. They might be completely loyal Neomot guys and saying, eh, why would I do this now? I can walk away with two years of free education and bolt. I'm talking about Mikel Haywood, Daba Fofana, Anton Hall, Logan Point. Um, You have a good group of sophomores, Colin Ramos at the will position and Rayon Lane in the secondary with Elias Larry, notable starters who are really critical to next year's success and the, and the hiring of a coach is going to be even more critical to keeping them here.
3: So is Newberry the answer there and what are the rumors have you heard? Well, it's a little early on rumors although you always hear certain names bandied about, but I agree with Ward. I think Brian Newberry would be a terrific hire and Newberry knows the option. He and he knows coaches who have run the option. Nobody said the new head coach has to be an offensive guy. They just said the new head coach has to understand the option. Well, Newberry does, and he could bring in an offensive coordinator and staff to run the option. So I I, I think Newberry would be a good call, and I think it would be the easiest way to hold the team together because you make a very good point. The longer this drags out, the higher probability you're going to lose players. The ones that are here are going to go into the portal. The ones who are at the prep school are going to start looking elsewhere, and the ones that have committed to you from high school are going to renege and commit elsewhere if they have an opportunity. So it behooves Chet to move quickly. You mentioned that you thought it was a ballsy move. Well, it, the move is not over. He's got a he's got to finish, and he's got to make the right decision. And if he falters on who is hired to replace Kenny Amatololo, the decision is going to look bad in retrospect. So this is not
0: over. He it was ballsy to make one half of the decision now he needs to finish. I want to piggyback on Warden and Wags. Thanks, John. I, I have three thoughts. One, the easy choice is go uh, take a drive down and see what um, what Paul Johnson is doing and see if he wants to come back. I know that may sound a little far-fetched. I don't think it's as far-fetched as, you, uh, as maybe people would think. That would be the ideal guy to write the ship. You bring in a young guy on the offense to study under him again, maybe somebody that's already worked with him and uh, things are good. If that's too, too much for you. I definitely think you have to hire an offensive guy that is of the Paul Johnson coaching tree. I, I think that you want somebody that understands that. So somebody that's either, um, at Kennesaw state right now, or, or that's out and about, um, that has uh Johnson experience. I, I want to know where Craig Candido is, right? We talked to him on the Navy football podcast. He said he was out of coaching. I, I think Chick-fil-A would be fine. Uh without Craig Candido. I, I think that if you go with somebody though that does have um uh Paul Johnson experience, um, and you uh you have Newberry as the head coach, you, you at least have that purity of the triple option and that understanding. Um, and, and you, you know, I think that makes the team feel better, that maybe makes the fan base feel better. I'll go back to the Craig Candido point. I'd love to see that person be somebody like Craig Candido. Yeah, you don't have to have service academy experience. We it's not not necessary. But if you're going to bring somebody in, let's also look for some of our guys that went with Paul Johnson, that have Navy experience, that understand the best of the triple option and the Naval Academy as a possibility. So those are those are my three fan thoughts. So before anybody (laughs) criticizes me, that that's my analysis as a fan.
1: (laughs) Wags, I know that you have been in contact with Paul Johnson, not only just on the Navy football podcast, but in and around this event. You know, what names has he brought up in the past who are kind of triple option uh, options to
3: have my own uh, my own Ward Carroll pun moment? Well, interesting. You should mention that because I talked to Paul Johnson for an hour today. Early this morning, he called me out of the blue and just to talk about the decision. He texted Kenny Niamatololo. We should make sure that. And his advice to Kenny was take it easy for a while. Enjoy life. Relax. Get away from coaching. It's not so bad. P.J., I don't think Chris is far off. Uh, Paul Johnson did not leave Georgia Tech on his own volition. I will tell you that. Um, It was announced as a retirement. It wasn't. Uh, P.J. wants to still coach. Uh, In the times I've talked to him about in the past, I've just jokingly said, would you think about coming back here? And he said, "Uh, I'd think about it. I I don't know how serious that is. I don't know if a Chet Johnson marriage could be consummated again at this point in life. But um, your Johnson disciples, there's one out there, the most prominent Johnson disciple who has not moved up to the FBS level is Brian Bohannon. Bohannon was at Navy with Johnson. He's one of the assistants, like Munkin, who left with Johnson to go to Georgia Tech. And he's now the head coach at Kennesaw State. And that's how come Brian Newberry is on staff because he was the defensive coordinator under Bohannon at Kennesaw State, and that's how he knows the option. The problem is, uh, if I'm Brian Newberry, I'm not working under Brian Bohannon anymore. And if I'm Brian Bohannon, I'm not working under Newberry. So that's a slight problem. But the most prominent triple option coach of the Paul Johnson tree that is out there is Kennesaw State head coach Brian Bohannon. Kenny doesn't strike me as someone who sits
1: still though. Um, so something tells me that he is going to land uh, somewhere and wherever he lands, I, I wish him. And I know that all of us wish him the very best, even the critics. I know that we're up against time. Ward, I'm going to give you your last word before we go around the horn.
2: I think we can all rest assured that uh, Kenny's going to be fine. He's a man of faith. He knows what life's about and football is subordinate to uh to uh, God and family to him. So, uh, he's fine and uh, he's not paying attention to social media or the critics or whatever. Um, so he, he's, he's going to be fine. The rest is the lessons that young men have to learn. And we all know this is painful. And, you know, Anton is learning a painful lesson now. Um, hopefully have an opportunity to, uh, eclipse that, uh, dubious, uh, circumstance with, uh, with glory. And, and, you know, if it doesn't happen on the football field, it can happen in the fleet. Life is long. Um, you know, I I had a guy, a squadron mate, who was known for dropping a pass in the end zone, um, you know, even even when he was flying Tomcats. Uh, so, you know, this is why this game is so great. This is why the Klieg lights are on. Uh, so, you know, the highs are high and the lows are very low. Uh, it's of the greatest consequence. But... When it's over, it's just a game. So uh, I think your counsel is sage there, John. Uh, everybody should should sort of drop back a little bit and just uh, relax and uh, support your team unconditionally. And let's go with those who are making the decisions and and just, again, uh, support what what comes out. Well,
3: well, it is what it is at this point. And the, the key is to get the head next head coaching hire right. We want Navy football to have success. (laughs) Well, it's no fun for anyone when Navy's losing, and we've been there before, and I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to the Weatherby years or the Chomp years. So uh, this last five years, minus 2019, has been pretty difficult and painful. So let's just hope Jack gets it right, hires the right person, and Navy gets it back on track, John. Chris Cervello.
0: I agree. I look forward to this being uh, taken care of over the holidays. I'm ready to, uh, to finish this up, put basketball uh, in the rear view and focus on uh, the, the men's team that ha- has a lot of talent.
1: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, as we come back from, uh, from winter hiatus, we'll have uh, our basketball profiles. We will continue to cover the winter and spring sports as the teams endeavor to sing second i would be remiss if as we go out if i didn't remind everyone hey i say that it's our last pod of like 2022 obviously if like a new coach is hired in the next five to eight days we'll come back on and do a pod ladies and gentlemen we're out for chris cervello ward carroll and bill wagner i am john Schofield. thank you for supporting sing second sports we'll see you in 2023 adios